That'll sink everything for me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for coming in. I mean, I appreciate yeah. you like squeezing me in, especially too, because I know how busy you are. And oh, I, I mean, appreciate you're not it, local either. So yeah, I mean, I'm down here quite a bit though. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Well, Mike Kessel. Uh, I haven't been doing proper intros to any of these things. Why don't you tell? <laughs> why don't you just give me like kind of like a like a quick one sentence of who you are and what you do? Um, I'm Matt Kessel, uh, has been musician, current photographer, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Seth Jones, same. Oh, <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you and I, like, it sounded like just while we were talking, it sounded like we have pretty much almost the, a very similar story about how we got into photo and all that stuff. What, like, yeah. what was the, what was the band stuff doing for you that, uh, that photography did better? Short story long, I moved to Sioux City in like 2011 for school, started a band up there. Uh, I didn't know any promoters, didn't know anything like that, so I just started booking our own shows. Mm -hmm. One thing led to another, I started booking shows for other people, um, got some production jobs, so like my first production job, we were doing corporate events, and we were doing uh, like festivals and putting the big LED screens on the side of the stage and running cameras for those, so I got a little bit of experience then. You got dived, the, the big jobs. Dived further into booking. Um, was a manager at Hard Rock for like five years. Um, okay. Stopped doing that around the beginning of 2020 for another job that fell through because of COVID and kind of yeah. switched lanes into this. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yours, yours, was, yours was a lot more professional line than mine was. It was just like, oh, this band isn't working out. I was making content though, and that was fun. I mean, that's <laughs> most of, of my experience outside of that first job was kind of the same thing. Um, I was booking shows for Aorta in Sioux City, and I needed content to promote those shows. So I, you know, bought a cheap little camera and started messing around with it, and ended up enjoying it. So I dabbled here and there, made a couple of music videos for friends, and um, when my jobs fell out, I had to figure something out, and someone hit me up to do a music video, and. You know, at that point, it was a stranger. And at that point, I'd only done friends. Right. And I'm like, I'm not really professional, but if you trust me to do this, I'll do it. I, I need a job right now. So I did that. And uh, one of his backup buddies is like a hype man in the video. It's like, hey, man, three of my brothers are rappers and they need someone to shoot videos for them. And so word of mouth, man. Word of mouth played like the huge, biggest part. Huge. What did, you, what did you start on? What was your first camera? Uh, Sony A6000. Okay. What are you on now? A7 III. I got dual A7 threes. Okay. How long did it take you to kind of like make like each upgrade? Because that was probably that was the most painstaking part of yeah. any camera purchase for me was it's just still... trying to figure out like because there was there was a new model of camera just about every other couple months. Right, that's what it felt like. And there's anyway. a fine line there. Like sometimes people say that like, oh, the gear doesn't matter, and that's true until it does. You know what I mean? Like it, when you get into the nitty, once you like know what you're looking for, it depends for, what yeah. you're doing. You know, like when you're starting out and you're just like making art and like, you know, like there's, there's a lot of things you can get by with. And it honestly, putting those limitations on yourself helps you grow and get better and like sure, create yeah. better art. But there's like, when you get into certain sort of situations, you need cameras that like perform really well in low light, or you need a camera mm -hmm. that, you know, if you're shooting video can handle like certain frame rates, you know, and like it, it really depends on what you're doing. So like, I think that's when you should make the decision. Like you don't necessarily need like the best newest thing, you know, no, all the time no, to create good art, you know, that was probably one of like one of my early, like audio only episodes that I did. It was talking about some, like one of however many thousands of little forum posts or blog posts are talking about. This is what you need to be a beginner photographer. This is how you get started. And, uh, I don't know how many of them actually go into like the gear, uh, argument between Canon, Sony or Nikon. 
Like, were, were you diehard Sony like the whole time, or was it just kind of the one that you fell into? It was just the one I started with, and right. I just stuck with it because that's where I started. You know, I don't really have a reason to change outside of you know lenses being twice the price of <laughs> Canon ones. Um, that's really sure. the only downside I've had. But they perform really well in low light. They've treated me well thus far, so I'm just kind of sticking with what I know. Sony always had that reputation for being the low light monsters. Yeah, and I did a lot of music videos and concerts when I started, so you know, like that's a big factor for me. I think the I think the difference nowadays is almost marginal at this point. Um, Yeah, like with the mirror with the mirrorless revolution that's kind of taken over. That's sort of been. I mean, Sony was on top of the mirrorless game way ahead of time. Well, and that's kind of why they had that and why it's leveling out now. You know, like they were that A six thousand I had was like one their first mirrorless, I believe, and they were one of the first ones to put out a mirrorless. So like Mm -hmm. that was my first camera was a mirrorless. I never shot on a DSLR, which is crazy. I mean, I have like I picked one up, but like I've never owned one. So like I feel kind of I don't know. It's like. I'm definitely a millennial or something, you know, like right. I'm not on my shoot on like, <laughs> you got the, you got the, you got the Gen Z of camera life. Yeah, exactly. Into <laughs> I, I started on a DSLR. I started on a little Canon SL2, uh, but they already had kind of like mirrorless functionality built into them to a certain point. Like as soon as you would hit that start stop and you would flip that uh, shutter, you'd flip that mirror off. Like it would behave exactly like a mirror. You just sure. didn't have the viewfinder. Yeah. And so, I mean, most of the time, like it wasn't, it wasn't really that big of a jump, like trying to jump over into mirrorless, which is why it was always so weird to me that people were like arguing about, oh, you can't let DSLR die. Like this is like, I mean, it was a bunch of OGs. Give them credit. Everybody for that, gets but... stuck in there, you know what they know, or a lot of us. Shouldn't say everybody. A lot of yeah. people do. So like, you go into any field, any walk of life, whatever. Like usually, people that are in the next age group above you are like stuck in certain things, and like we're probably stuck in certain things that we aren't aware oh, of. You know, like kids in the next generation are like one step ahead of us and we're you know we're becoming that for them <laughs> i i can't wait like i want them to revolutionize editing software and stuff like that so I don't have to oh keep man on it's gonna Premiere be it's all gonna be ai someday all of it <laughs> that scares me though that scares me though <laughs> i don't want to say all of it i'm exaggerating but like that's what's coming right You're not now wrong though like yeah. that it'll it'll get there i mean i've i've followed like a lot of like big time like photographers that are like we're talking like multiple six figure type of businesses and like almost all of them are outsourcing like a like 80 percent of their editing they're like really? if you want to like hit this certain level because editing is 80 to 90 percent of your time in this job you know yeah, and yeah. so like if you can outsource 80 percent of your editing now you have that much more time to work in the business or create art you know like which for a career editing is part like of it you kind of have know? to because you do need that turnaround just on a super regular basis it just de- to cover gear costs what you're doing on. too you know if i'm doing like I don't know. I don't, I would love to implement it to get ahead of the game, but like I have a hard time letting go of like, it's my art, you know? And yeah, if I no. like give a part of that way, it's not me anymore. My brand's very like personal. I like I'm not trying to make it a business. When I come across to my socials, I try to talk like it's me and be myself, be authentic. And like, mm-hmm. so it's hard, almost harder for me to let go of that than if I had like, I mean, like my name's in my business, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it makes it a little different. It's kind of a finish what you started thing for me. You know, it was like, I want to, I want to see the project through to the, to the forefront. And most of the time when I'm taking a photo, I have an idea of, in my head already of what I want it to look like. And while I can, I've, I mean, I've been asked on a few different collaboration requests, be like, Hey, we would, we would pass the raws to each other. We would like collab. And like, it makes me feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. And, uh, like, and not even to say that the other person couldn't do an excellent job with it. Right. Uh, They might even be able to do better, but at the same time, it's still hard to put your name on it because it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like 
not representative of your vision, what like you're making. Yeah, you know? it's not even a, like it's it's like a ninety ten as far as like the time split between like editing on the ninety side and shooting on the ten percent side. But it's really a fifty fifty thing when it comes to like real like the art that you put into it and the effort that you go for it. Yeah, yeah. As far your, as the, the your editing style mind. sometimes is almost more important than the shooting. Hundred percent. Depending on you know there are there are exceptions, but oh, yeah. um, always. <laughs> I. That's kind of why the the AI stuff gets me like really really uncomfortable too though. Well, you know like, how like they, I'm seeing regular ads. Do you know how they for, do it um, with like the AI editing editing software? Say like photo editing. I don't use it. So I, I, don't. I haven't either, but I've like done some research on it. And essentially, you'll send in like five thousand raws to them, and they analyze how you shoot, and then you send in X number of like edited photos, and they analyze your editing process, and they like replicate like the average of what you do essentially. Hmm. So like what I'm understanding a lot of people do say they shoot weddings and they're returning, you know, a thousand photos or something. Um, they might edit like the hundred best photos and then send the other 900 through the editing software and cut out a week and a half of work. And then like all the, like the quote unquote Instagram shots, you know, are like them still. But yeah, I would hope that out of the ones that get picked, like they're, I mean, to the untrained eye, I don't know if anybody would notice the difference between the one that that photographer actually spent all that time editing on and then the ones that the AI just kind of like generated, tried to replicate. Well, I'm curious, like everyone does things differently. So like, is it just taking care of your color and your, your like white balance and like your exposure mm. and like that, it kind of mainly does that. But like I do a lot of masking and like brushing and stuff in my mm. editing process. And I don't think that it's ever going to, well, I'm not sure I shouldn't say ever, but like right now it's not doing that. I don't know that my editing style is consistent enough to where it would be able to come up with an accurate guess. Like, cause I've it, struggled cause it, with that adjust, too. it adjusts based on the shot that I'm going for. Of course, I'm not doing traditional photography for the most part. Right. Like, I'm doing weird conceptual stuff. Yeah. So my editing style has to shift based on the style that's going. I feel very much the same. Um, I mean, I do a lot of things and I do some traditional stuff as well, but like I was mainly doing the more like artistic conceptual stuff for a long time. And so I relate to that a lot. Yeah. And the, the challenge that that creates to not be allowed to have like a consistent editing style across the board or not to be able to have like as much control on everything as you would like, um, balances. I think it balances out pretty well, but, um, I don't, I just don't know how AI would be able to, of course, I don't know now. Right. <laughs> Before, we're in like, like we didn't like five years ago, we would have never been like, so yeah, AI can put together, AI could put together the, like this whole podcast. For we're me. in the infant stages of it right now too. Like I, which is scary I, given how advanced it is. In yeah. The I, I feel like this too. is like a revolution. Like when the internet was created almost that big, like, I feel like we're on the brink of that. I, like yeah. this is going to change the way everything works. And like, I don't know, I'm not a nut about it or anything, but like, I've got a friend who's an entrepreneur and he does all sorts of stuff. And he told me, he's like, if you want to be ahead of the curve, you know, like take Instagram, for example, the people who are on Instagram 10, whatever, 15 years ago when it started are all the people who have millions of followers on there. If you started in the last mm -hmm. five years, you're never going to reach that level. No. So you gotta be ahead of the curve. And he's like, if you someday, this is going to be the normal, every business is going to have AI implemented in some way. So I recommend anybody that runs a business to like, um, find a way to implement it, um, whether it's like writing your blog post or like whatever it might be. Um, and I, again, I haven't done it yet, but like I see where he's coming from. There were smaller aspects of AI that I could absolutely see myself using. Like there's specific tools, like noise removal in video and photos, stuff like that. Like there, 
the inbound programs that Lightroom and Photoshop have for noise removal, they're not as good as they could probably be if you ran it through some sort sure. of AI algorithm that was there, especially in video editing where there's certain effects that you'd want to put out like that. As far as the video side, that's where I see like the biggest innovations being taken over is just in the VFX world and sure, like, it yeah. cutting down on a lot of like the grind work that they have to do. Yeah. I mean, there's already programs out there. The one that the most recent one that I used that I think AI would actually be a great benefit for is for like I'm big I'm a big nerd, so of course I'm trying to make a, a lightsaber duel video at some point. Um, but editing in the actual saber effect. Oh like sure. the the program that I'm that I'm using will actually like as you're going through your keyframes, it can kind of instead of going frame by frame by frame and moving that that mm -hmm. saber effect to kind of like trace out whatever your reference is. Yeah. Cause that's a lot of keyframe work. That's a lot of keyframe work. It's picking it up to where it's able to guess with a lot more accuracy. So you're not having to go frame by frame. You can skip a few, like you can skip 30 or 50 frames and not be, not be too far off. And sure. Stuff like that. Yeah. And the masking is a lot easier, but I feel like with the VFX world, as soon as that stuff really starts to take off, like the real time consuming work that is mostly repetitive, um, is easy to be based on just once you have your reference laid down, I can see AI taking that stuff away and being a, a net benefit for everybody who's involved in that. Um, I mean, just given how overworked VFX artists are in the movie industry right now, yeah, especially we were just talking before we hopped on here about how much work video is. And I've kind of monumental um, work. I mean, I still do video, but I've slowed down a lot. Like I'm primarily focusing on photo for that reason. Like mm -hmm. I, it just like takes so long to get through something if you're really being meticulous about it and trying to make it, I don't know, at least the way I think trying to make it what I want it to be, like yeah. usually takes me longer than it should, you know, uh, well, video will always do that. Video will always be, I mean, dependent on the video, I guess I'm sure somebody could put some low effort example up there for me, prove me wrong. But, um, do you, do you push for video work? at all or do you, or is it kind I, of word of I mouth did that when drives I started um I was like primarily video when I started um anymore I take them when I get them but I don't really advertise them um okay and like I don't know if I do like a, a really good wedding video or a really good music video like I'm I'm probably share it but like I'm not really like driving it like I'm not consistently like planning it's like this is available to, in my catalog but you're yeah not it's still on my website if you go there and look for it but it's not like actively talking about it all the time mm -hmm. and uh so you're doing this full-time now yep which uh especially like with as time consuming as video is especially with photo stuff coming in non-stop i can absolutely understand being like hey i can't make video like the main portion of my content like when you decided to make the shift over to being a full-time photographer. I, I was just talking to a musician about making music a business. What was, what was kind of like your, your strategy to making photo your full-time business and actually being successful at it? You know, I don't know if it's so much strategy as just a mindset. Okay. Like I kind of went through what I did musically and that was just kind of the general overview. But my mindset there was always like, I don't have a plan B. I'm just going to put everything I have into what I'm doing. Nice. And if I crash and burn, so be it, but like, might as well give it a shot. And if I'm going to give it a shot, why go half on it, you know? Absolutely. Um, and that's, that's kind of where I've been with everything I've ever done. You know, I've never taken like, this is the traditional route or the safe route or whatever. I just kind of like follow my gut and I'm like, Hey, this seems to be the way I'm being pulled right now. And I'm going to just do the best I absolutely can with it and see where it takes me. I gotcha. Now, as far as like marketing yourself, I mean, obviously word of mouth is going to play 
the biggest part, at least getting started. It helped quite a bit. Honestly, uh, Sioux City is like pretty small community Mm -hmm. and I'm like pretty well connected there between the different jobs. I had to work TV station. I was a manager at Hard Rock. I booked shows locally for years. I went to college there. So like I know a lot of people and that honestly was huge. If I didn't have all that, I don't know if I would have succeeded in starting a business in the middle of the pandemic. Um, Uh, (laughs) I mean, um, hats off to you just in general for that. I mean, the, the pandemic, I mean, to a certain point, six, I mean, the six foot rule is actually pretty easy as a photographer, but <laughs> I, I had some people mad at me during that time. Cause I was like getting people together to film music videos and like, you can't be doing that. I'm like, I'm, I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but like I have to pay my bills. Like, I, yeah, no, like that, that was, that was the roughest part. And especially like as more data came out about how not quite as severe as it was being played up to be in the media for a while there. I mean that, I mean, that was frustrating, but like the hysteria was a little, I mean, I was trying to be careful and do what I can, you know, but, um, yeah, it was a trying time to like start doing what I'm doing, but I was kind of forced my hand. It was that or go back to, um, you know, like a nine to five day job. And I hadn't had one of those in like five or six years already at that point. So (laughs) (laughs) that's, that's, that's how I pay for everything still like that. My bills are, I'm a nine to fiver. So I'm, I'm still in that world. Um, I, I, I find a lot of interest in what you're doing, not, not from like a jealous perspective, but just from just like a straight up artist, uh, artist perspective, I would love to be able to, uh, pay for, pay for my lifestyle, pay for my bills, all that stuff, doing photography and video, but I don't have it in me at the, the moment to do the traditional stuff. Like I, like, like I can't, I can't stomach doing a wedding. I've done two weddings. They weren't for me. They like, it wasn't, uh, they're very hard when you start and very intimidating when you start, they get easier. Yeah. The, the first one was kind of intimidating. The second one that I did was, was a breeze, but like there wasn't as much, I I didn't have as much interest in it. And I felt it for me, it felt kind of weird, like taking money, doing something that I just, that I like really like to do, but like my portfolio didn't reflect that I was a wedding photographer. It still doesn't. Sure. Um, I've struggled a little bit with the portfolio thing because I do so many different things. Um, and it's, it's, you know, everyone says you need a niche down if you want to be successful. And it's just so hard for me to do because the variety and like the different people I get to meet and like the different things I do is really what makes this fun for me. Like I love traveling. Mm -hmm. I love meeting people. Um, and this provides pretty much all of that. Like the only thing that I'm passionate about that this doesn't provide is playing music and I still shoot concerts, you know? So, I mean, that kind of goes into the point that I was going to make is that like, I, I would niche down, but the niche that I've chosen, the stuff that I'm super into would not, would not pay the bills. Like that's not the particular, um, unless I started getting into filmmaking, you, you almost have to be diverse in what you're available to do and your portfolio I mean, again, it's tough, but your portfolio does have to reflect that you have a lot of versatility and that you yep. can kind of adapt. I think it to takes situations. time too. It's not something that's going to happen in your first year or two years or, no, no, you no, know, no. like I'm three years in and like, I feel like my portfolio is just now starting to get representative of what I do. But also, like you said, my editing style is still changing and my influences are still changing and like the type of jobs I'm taking are always changing. And so it's like this ever evolving thing. And I don't know if you can ever just like stop it and put your finger on it. Like I'm, I'm so (laughs) like anal about that sort of stuff. Like on my actual portfolio page, like if I do a shoot that was really good, I will add that to my portfolio the day I finish editing it. Like some people like update it once a year. I'm like, no, like my style three months ago isn't what I'm doing right now. 
you know? And like, there's pieces of that in my portfolio because it's a piece of my style. You still read into that, but like, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want everything on my portfolio to be from halfway through last year. That would not feel right to me. It's kind of the same thing from the musician side of it too. It's just every single time you learn something new, you want to apply it to everything you're able to do until you like, until you like really meld into a style, you have no idea what your style is actually going to be because you're still trying to pick up all these things. And that, doubly for maybe not doubly but like especially true for photo editing or any kind of stylization that you would actually get into because you're like there's so many different processes yep. for editing all that stuff like different lighting different environmental situations like well, you're you're presented with so many different variables that i, I mean it it's hard to it's nearly impossible to be consistent at first and it's and you're not only when you're starting you're not only learning that like you're trying to learn how to market you're trying to find your voice like your marketing voice essentially like have you found um, yours i don't know like i said i try to just keep it real and <laughs> like talk talk the much. way i do but like i also have to like think about it sometimes i'm like okay like i do book weddings and things so like there's certain like things that i probably shouldn't like lines I shouldn't cross because like it might turn people away but then the other part of me is like well if I do the type of art that speaks to me the clients that hire me are going to end up more like me and I'm going to get along better with them and if I get along better with them we're going to create better art together so like Mm -hmm. it's kind of more of a long game being authentic rather than just like doing the cookie cutter thing that everyone does but I think it pays off what kind of marketing are you focusing on right now? Are you doing just kind of like online so, based ads? Or are you trying to? I hardly touch ads, honestly. Like um, most of my stuff is social media. Then I'm really good at keeping my website updated for SEO. Um, it's okay. not like perfected by any means. I'm not, I did it all on my own. But uh, those are the two things now. Um, I'm kind of got a big project I'm working on. I haven't talked about yet, but I'm essentially going to like start a second brand that I hope to announce by the end of the year. I'm going to niche down like we were talking about finally. Oh, okay. And I'm going to keep Kessel creations as like everything else, but I'm going to have one page. That's like, I specialize in this. This is what I do under this different name. Um, so do I know what that um, is? Is that what we were talking about? Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right, cool. Yeah. I, so, I won't, I won't grill you on it. Cause I know. You yeah. Don't I'm like, to, I know you don't want I'm half tempted it, yeah. to talk about it. Cause like, I don't know. I kind of want to like start doing it, but like I'm, I'm kind of in the learning process and figuring out, I have to learn all that again. I sat mm-hmm. down with someone else that does this. Um, and they talked to me for like three hours and they explained like, you do really well because you're social media based, like in the local audience, like mm-hmm. Sioux Falls, Sioux city, Omaha, Des Moines, I do really well in, but it's all like geographically close to here. What I'm going to be doing is working more into like destination and travel markets is my goal. And when you're marketing to those people, SEO becomes way more important than social media. Like social media isn't what's important anymore because social media is very like based on like geotag locally to your area. And when you're targeting like people, clients for like travel work, you are looking more at interest not location and types of people and like so like you have to learn how like target people that aren't in your area and just like social media doesn't work that way very quickly um you're way more likely to hit the people you want to hit through like google seo and things like that so i'm gonna have probably by this time next year a whole different approach to it and honestly i'm considering dialing back a hair on my social media for kessel creations just for the time being so that I can put more energy into building this other project. I'm essentially running this business and starting over from scratch at the same time right now. It's like something's attacking my house or something. I don't know if they can hear, I don't know if they can hear that. It's freaking me out. Um, how are you kind of like, 
I don't know. That's a tough balance to strike. Yeah. I, 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 Especially I'm, trying to start something. I mean, not necessarily from scratch because like your art style does lend itself to. Right. But it's, it's going to be but, like new website, new social media pages, um, like new client experience, like workflow. Um, like I'm going to have like a better workflow for my email like thing. Like I've, I've learned that the client experience starts with marketing. Like the way you talk on your page is part of your client experience and it's all the way through the process. Most people think it's like while you're on set with someone that is their client experience. It's like, no, you need to build a relationship with them beforehand because it's uncomfortable. Even if you know me, if I walk up and I start sticking a wide ass lens in your face, right? you know, like no, no one likes that, especially with a stranger. So like, uh, like with my wedding couples, especially I'm really working on getting to know them better and really like almost trying to become friends as through the booking process rather than just like, here's the base information I need. Cause if they feel comfortable with you, like I had a wedding yesterday and, um, I walked in and like, it was like meeting up with a friend. Like, honestly, like they gave me hugs when I walked through the door and I remember my first wedding, it was like, I walked in, I'm like, Hey, are you so-and-so? And And it was like kind of weird and awkward before we even started shooting. But like Mm -hmm. I walk in yesterday and I'm getting hugs from the couple before we even start working and just makes the day go so much smoother. And like you easier to line your vision. They trust you more. Like there's just so many things to it. And so like putting a lot of my energy into that aspect of my business this year, I think I'm a really, spent a lot of time working on my editing workflow and like how, how my camera works and like stuff as I started. And now I'm like working more on that client experience mm-hmm. end. And that flies in the face of the antisocial photographers, kind of like myself who don't want to, <laughs> who like want to be able to just show up, do their shot and then be done with it. I, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, that's an absolutely essential tool. I mean, you've got to build a relationship with your client base and the better relationship that you build, obviously the more they're going to talk you up. And then that word of mouth comes into play even heavier. Um, but in the situations where you don't really get to do that, like, let's say somebody comes up to you with something like this, like it's super short notice. You've got to get them in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the, uh, I, I mean, I guess you work with the time that you've got, but yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I still do stuff that comes up sort of last minute here and there, but I'm getting to the point where I can start being a little pickier too. And mm-hmm. if I, sometimes you can just tell by the initial message when someone reaches out, like, if it, if they're going to like be serious about the project or if they're super unprofessional and like, I can kind of just like read the situation and be like, I want to be a good fit. Like, I don't feel like we're a good fit. I'm sorry. Like mm-hmm. here's some other recommendations of people I trust, but I just don't feel like this project is, you know, I'm too busy or, you know, whatever. Like I, um, other than, the, other than like the obvious one where you are having to like getting to the client being probably the, like, the major hurdle for something like that is another, is there another kind of like roadblock that you've seen running, trying to like break into this industry? Um, in general with photography, you mean, yeah, or we can start there or if you're, I mean, I know you don't, you don't want to talk about your future brand, but yeah, I, mean, I, I do. I, I like, I really do, I feel, but I'm in like such the, the beginning stages of it right now that, <laughs> well, I, so I feel like the, I feel like the strategy is going to be kind of the same. So like, I mean, cause you're going to have to approach it. Like, it's like you said, it was like a mindset thing. It's like, yeah. so you're going to have to apply kind of like that similar mindset, but like when you're getting going and you haven't really built up a portfolio yet, like you're, sure. you're not quite there yet. Okay. And, so here's, I'm just going to, 
we're just going to talk about it because I feel like I'm we're stepping all around it, not stepping on it. We can step all uh, around let's it. Step, like, completely no, fine. no, I can, let, I can divert. Let's like, step on it. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get more into like the elopement, intimate destination wedding space mm-hmm. um which means a whole different thing than it used to mean elopements used to be like we're going to vegas we're going to the courthouse like now couples right. for all different sorts of reasons it's like maybe um they're just like introverted people and don't want the big party of 400 people maybe they want to like have a more intimate experience that's just for them and more important to them like you know like because the big traditional weddings become very much about the guests and it's a lot of work for the yeah, couple yeah, whereas time. like these are like almost like a vacation that they take me on and I document it. And there's so many different ways to go about it. Um, and that there's so much flexibility and you can customize it and make it your own rather than being stuck to, or feeling like you're stuck to like a traditional framework of how your wedding is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and it kind of combines all my interests. Like weddings are my, one of the biggest money makers and I've didn't like them that much when I started, but they've really grown on me and I've like really found a different way to make them artistic I think than when I started and I'm developing that it's like it's a new challenge you know Mm -hmm. um I love to travel and I've shifted my mindset to this is like one of the biggest days in this client's life and they like my art and trust me enough as a person to be not only with them for this day that is like one of the biggest days of their life but also help coordinate and like plan to some degree usually you know like the wedding photographers get way more into it than just shooting the photos um well there's so many variables in making the shot look good that the couple probably isn't thinking about because they got 40 million other things on well there's so many variables on a wedding day compared to a normal shoot too like in the same day especially outdoors same day you could have like harsh sunlight you could have like uh, really bad interior lighting. You could have uh, wind, you could have rain and it can, you could have all of them in the same day. You know, you could have any number of variables and it's a huge challenge. It's a lot to keep track of mentally. Um, but anyways, uh, what I was getting at circling back is you were asking about marketing strategy and you were talking about how do you do that when you don't have a portfolio? Um, Which you kind of already do, but you, I do. And I, few I can utilize seen. my weddings that I've shot and I have, 17 um this year i think possibly 18 by the end of the weekend (laughs) (laughs) so um and i did one elopement last year and i have one potential one this year uh so i'm already working on it but like what i'm planning on doing outside of that is i'm going to take a couple trips this year and basically build my portfolio i'm going to go stop what they do call styled shoots i'm going to like fly out to a certain scenery where i would like you know my ideal client would Mm -hmm. Just grabbing you a know, mock couple yeah. with you, or are you setting it up around an actual local? Probably. So, like, I'm taking this big course on this right now, and there's, like, a community that's a part of it, and I can go in there, and, like, sometimes the other photographers will come out and, like, model with their significant other, mm-hmm. or, you know, like, there's, you can go through Instagram and find mo- models to hire, like, there's all different routes, but uh, basically... I want to like hit three or four different types of scenery, like desert, mountains, forest, you know, like have a variety. And then at that point I have enough to build this new website. And then it's like, boom, here's an example of what I'm capable of doing. Here is, um, you know, it's not just me saying like, Oh, Hey, like I'm a wedding photographer. Hire me for your elopement anymore. It's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, here is an example of what your elopement could look like. And, then you start diving into the possibilities of the structure and what today is and like 
most people just decide they're going to do this and don't even know like what the options are, you know, like, um, it's so endless when it gets to this, because like a wedding, you're, again, you're stuck in a structure. You're, you're even, I don't know, traditional weddings in this area are even like within the one day structure. I know like mm-hmm. Indian weddings in like different cultures are longer. Some have like three day, seven day events, you know, but here it's a one day thing. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> three day event. Holy shit. I would love to cover a traditional Indian wedding though, just cause of like the colors of and the outfits oh, are dude, so the beautiful. Stylization, they, like, yeah. Beautiful. Something like that would be absolutely gorgeous. Um, so yeah, long story short, that's kind of what I'm getting into and I'm going to, uh, take those and build a website and focus a little more on like blogging and SEO to build it up. I'm going to do a little bit of cross promoting between my current pages and that, and we'll see what happens, but I'm hoping to have everything kind of like live by the end of the year. Okay. What's, uh, what's kind of been the most stressful portion of that for you so far? The fact that I want to do everything at once. And this is a big project that (laughs) this is a project that like realistically I could work on for two years before I drop it. And I've, once I had made the decision to do this, I'm like trying to do a year's worth of work in like two months. Like, Mm -hmm. and while I'm doing my other stuff as well, it's just kind of like how I am, unfortunately. But, um, I also like, I'm excited again. Like when every time I like take a current turn and kind of shift what I'm doing, I get like a new level of like ambition behind what I'm doing. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I, I want to use this while I have it. I want to see where it takes me. And like, I don't know the cool thing about being self-employed that you don't have in like any job where you work for someone else is what you put in is what you get out of it. Mm-hmm. And it is directly correlated. You know, like I choose to take today off. I got to work twice as hard tomorrow or I make half as much, yeah. you know, this month, this month, if I continue to do that, or, um, if I work this much harder, I get this many more results or I've put this much more time into my marketing. I'm this much more likely to get like my ideal client and like so many examples of it. But like, I truly think that what you put into your own business in like a sole proprietor sort of situation directly comes back to you. I mean, you have to have a certain level of, uh, of, extremely passionate ambition just to get through the tax season as an independent guy. Oh, like man. <laughs> and what so. people don't understand what it's actually like. Dude, I did it once. It. <laughs> I did it. I did a part of it for like one year, uh, with like an LLC. And then I had another year where I had to deal with soul prop shit. And it was the most irritating tax experience the, of my entire life. I go to a lawyer. I so I, I go to a lawyer cause you're like way less likely to just be audited and they, them. and I give them all the information and they just do it. And like, they usually get me more back than I would myself. But the hard part is filing every quarter. And like now it's, yeah. I'm getting to the point now that I'm full time where like every three months or so, when I get to the end of that, I've got like three, four grand sitting in my account that belongs to the government and I can't touch it or, mm-hmm. I, or I can't pay my taxes. Um, so like having that money sit there, just looking at me and being like, Oh, I have money. And then you like take that away. You're like, Oh uh, yeah, I should probably be a little more careful my spending this month, you know? And then there's also, you know, the farther you get into it, the more expenses you have, the more you have to put into the business. Like, um, it might sound like a lot of money if you drop a certain number, but you know, at the end of the day, probably taking home less than a third of what you're making a third off the top goes straight to taxes Mm -hmm. when you're self-employed. Yeah. I, I balanced it out pretty well for a little while. Um, but I was still working full time. So I always had some sort of a safety net behind me when I was doing all of this. And, uh, just over time, um, 
I don't know if it, maybe it was because I didn't take the approach that you did. Maybe I didn't go in as like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. Cause I was already neck deep in a bunch of financial issues to where like, I, I literally could not let go of my day job. Otherwise my other half would have ended up having to like yeah, cover yeah. my ass or something like that. I could not stomach the thought of doing that. Um, and so, and I'm grateful for my job. Like I mean, like I'm, I don't have any complaints. Uh, I mean, at least not beyond like the usual nine to five complaints, but I don't know. There's like, there's a certain aspect of, um, having that safety net that I feel has probably like stopped me from trying to pursue this any further. And I'm, I mean, I'm, that's the the hardest part. Making the switch is like getting rid of that safety net. Like it's it's a deep breath before diving off of the high dive and you don't know if that water is going to be concrete when you hit it or not. And it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Freaks me out. I think, um, like I'm making some pushes to uh, film this year, which is what I was originally getting into camera work for in the first place. Like I really dug cinematography. It was really into like, I mean, kind of like a mixture of lighting a scene and filming it mm-hmm. at the same time. I don't have any like directorial ambitions or anything like that, but um, I like the, I like the behind the scenes jobs that not enough people talk about. <laughs> I'm kind of okay with not enough people talking about because <laughs> I'm not a big, I'm not big on the spotlight, which you would find weird given that I'm doing a, Right. A podcast around (laughs) just me and one other person. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's been kind of like the hardest thing to calculate in my mind is just like, okay, how, how risky am I willing to, am I willing to be in order to make this work? Right. But Um, I mean, like I'm kind of a believer in like nothing good comes out without a risk. And like, if you don't don't take, if you don't take that risk, like you'll never get there because you're not have enough of yourself available to put into whatever it is, you know? So like you're, you're only going to, again, you're only going to get in or get out of it, what you put into it. So if you want bigger projects or more money or like more experiences, whatever it is that you're seeking out, like if you want that, you got to risk it, you know? What's one of the big, like the bigger sacrifices that you sort of had to make in your life in order to make this work or are continuing to make as you go along that you're comfortable talking about anyway? Um, I mean, other other just than like the obvious work, stuff where work you don't life, really have free time. Work life huh? balance is the biggest thing, right? Definitely. Um, and I'm a very outdoorsy person, and okay. you know, so like once it gets like now, like maybe not today, but like it just started being like 80 it's degrees it's out, and it's like really tough for me to like wake up in the morning and be like, oh, it's 80 degrees, and it's been we're just getting out of winter, and like I gotta sit on this computer for 10 hours today. I want to go outside. I want to go yeah. walk my dog in the park, you know, like, but I gotta sit here for 10 hours. And then she sits there across the room and stares at me like, dude, it's we, nice what outside. What are doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> you see how nice it is out there? Your pets have no chill, man. <laughs> trip you no matter what. I mean, yeah, the work-life balance would be the first thing. I think the thing that scared me the most was also just like not having, like you, you had touched on a little bit, but like the consistent weekly or bi-weekly paycheck was was a big factor is like because there there's gonna be chunks where you get paid like all around at the same time yep. and you have to hold on to that for like a month and a half or two months um, and- fall as a photographer when he's first started getting into it you're gonna make more money than you've ever made in about two months right. and then you're not gonna make anything for the <laughs> <Right>. next four <laughs> you know <Right. laughs> but you, uh it's do you do gotten any better studio work 
Like you, like you don't have a spot where you. I don't have my own studio. I occasionally right. will shoot in studios. Um, I've got a few buddies that have them. I'll rent theirs out when I need it and whatnot. But I've done a lot of on location stuff over the years. Cool. Like I feel like it's easier to like customize it and like make it more personal to the clients. Like right, have questionnaires. Yeah. Like, like for example, for the more traditional photography stuff, like weddings, family, like whatever, like. I have these questionnaires we go through and it's like, what are your interests? Is there anywhere like an engagement, like anywhere sentimental to you or like, what do you guys like doing on a date night? Do you, are you the type of people that like go do like adventure sports? Are you like go to the movie theater? Are you just like coffee date people? Like instead of just like going out into a field and shooting like whatever photos are going into a studio and shooting like the same photos as everyone else, why don't we like go to your favorite restaurant or why don't we you know, go do this activity you guys like doing, which is kind of ties back into the Loman thing. Um, Cause like a lot of these couples are going somewhere they've always wanted to go. And like, there's so many activities available cause they're on a vacation. It's like, it might be hiking up to a mountaintop to like do their vows. Which it, you did it once. Might be. I, yeah. I saw, I saw that video. That was great. Uh, San Juan mountains in Colorado. Uh, it <sighs> South of million dollar highway. Yep. That was cool. Um, but it could be something as simple as like hiking to that peak. It could be, I've seen people do like hot air balloon rides and like, um, helicopter tours and like fish islands, you know, like, (laughs) but it doesn't have to be something crazy either. It could be like sitting around a campfire and roasting marshmallows in your wedding outfit together and like just documenting the day. So like these elopements become a lot more about like the full experience, like you and it's your day. So like maybe in the morning you two want to go get coffee together and like, you know, I'm kind of long for the whole ride. We do that. And then we like, um, go like have activities during the day. And then maybe we go for a sunset session or maybe you're bringing family and you have the reception and dinner the night before. And then we get up at like 4am and go hike up to the mountaintop for sunrise and get sunrise photos for, or do your vows at sunrise. You know, like there's just like so many ways to do it, but there's all these activities to incorporate. And, I think that comes back to the client experience thing again that I'm trying to work at is like, I don't want this to just be the same thing that everyone else has. I want to create art and I want to create an experience for you. Mm -hmm. And if I'm just same poses, same location every time I get bored and I don't know, the quality is going to suffer eventually. I feel like. Did you jump on that bandwagon that was going around social media for a while about the wedding photographer who didn't get fed when he was at the they were oh, at the geez. reception? Um, yeah, there was, there was there was more to that story. I heard um, like it was like one of his like good friends and like there I don't oh, know that makes like even worse. yeah I don't know I wouldn't ever like walk out of a wedding for something that minuscule like Dude, these, he didn't these just pe- walk out like he like cleared the card and everything like they <laughs> yeah. deleted all the footage. Well, or, like, good everything. luck like. That's how you get sued. <laughs> I was going to say, like, that was one of my first questions. Like, did you have a contract with these people? Uh-huh. Like, that's one of the stipulations I would have thrown in there. It was like, I mean, yeah, of course, common courtesy, feed the guy. Right. Like, but. Yeah, and I've, I've never had an contract. issue like that either. But, like, oh. I I just, you know, I want to be that upset in the first place. But, like, I'd bite my tongue if I was. Like, right. whatever. These people like, are paying you to do a job. You know, end of the day, like, yeah, I'm trying to, like, build a relationship and, like, have it be, like, we're friends when I leave. But, like, if it's not that way, like, just do the job and go home, you know? Like, where was their second shooter is my question. Because like, I, I know – because for a wedding that it sounded like – for the type of wedding that it sounded like it was, it was like, you're going to have two, maybe even three photographers with you on that bit. And it's like, is one photographer taking a timeout going to be a – can be an absolute deal breaker for you. It's like, what do you think is going to be happening at that point? That's scary too. Cause there's like, I don't know if you've seen, but there's all these like big editing houses out there now for like specifically for weddings where like mm-hmm. they have one overarching company name and then you just hire like hundreds of photographers to essentially associate shoot. Yeah, and then like, there's been like in the last 
three years since I started this. I think I've heard of three of those companies basically like falling out. Like once they have like all these clients that have taken in, taken their money, the company just like dissolves and mysteriously disappears. And like all these people are like, oh, hey, I have a wedding next month and I haven't been able to get a hold of these people for three months. Or we just had our wedding. How do we get our stuff? I hear everyone's like not getting anything from them. And like, um, and I don't know if it's like mismanagement of the company or if it's intentional scams, but like there's there's a lot of stuff out there to look so out for. There there could be a mix of both or I mean, given the amount of companies, I'm sure there are some who are just poorly ran and some that are just out to make a buck. But at I mean, the, the, like there's more money in the wedding industry than uh, well, I mean, I, I can't say that it's a secret to anybody like it doesn't surprise anyone when you tell them it's like but in the in the photo world, weddings are that that is the that is the gig that you need to be taking if you want to make a if you want to make it a career like, or if you want to make it there's like other ways one. but that's probably the probably the, the most efficient way yeah. yeah the easiest way and whenever you have an industry that's that that's that widespread and is that big and has that much money rolling around in it you're going to have some bad actors in there so you know what that that issue all. comes back to though communication like yeah, those exactly. those are things that should be discussed prior to on a wedding day i want to know i want to walk through the timeline with a couple like almost like minute by minute. Like I want us to both know what's exactly going to happen or what we want to happen throughout the day. And we're going to like write a timeline that reflects that. I want to know every little detail. I want to know what your most important things are. Your like, what's most important to you, how like kind of walk you through my process of how I document it. And like, I want us to like, no questions day of like I I even like get a list of vendors when I do weddings from the clients with their emails and I will reach mm. out to every single vendor that's working the wedding the DJ the florist the uh, venue the officiant and like be like hey here's the timeline I created with the couple do you have any questions about anything on here do you have any requests from me here's a couple things that I think would help us out like right. you know like an officiant it might be like hey could you like ask everyone to like put their phones down before the ceremony like take a moment take your photos now put them away or like step out of the frame before you announce that they're going to have their first kiss so that it's just a picture of the couple for the first kiss and not you standing mm -hmm. you know like little things like that you know but that communication all of that can prevent almost any issue I found like the more I've like enhanced to that or like beefed up my communication with my clients, the less there's ever any sort of issue like that situation with that photographer should have never happened. No, no, absolutely not. And I mean, get it in writing too. Like, I can't recommend to people enough. It's like whenever you have a project that's going to involve a third party that you are spending thousands of dollars on, it's like have something in writing yeah, going over everything absolutely. that's going on there. So when they do run off like that and you can't find them anywhere, like you've got something in writing saying that these were the things that I was promised and you've actually like at least in the worst case scenario you have a you have a lawsuit that you can file and well, easily and win at that point. Realistically too. like you know some people don't do it when they first start because they're intimidated by it or they make it feel like it's a hurdle between them and booking the client but or like, they make it feel like they're too self-important at that point like they feel like they're jumping a gun I can tell you now it's not the case. No like, like start start contracts right away from the day you like are operating as a business. Mm -hmm. Um Oh, I had something else. What was I going to say? I lost it. <laughs> um, uh, you'll find it. Yeah. Or I won't. It's okay. <laughs> or you won't. <laughs> I can't think of something more irritating to me. I was like, cause the two weddings that I did, it wasn't a problem. Uh, so thank So thankfully this wasn't something I had to contend with, but like, I mean, I had one person 
like while the bride was going down the aisle with their phone out but like they weren't like sticking it out into the aisle so i was able to edit it that's out not easily. really the issue the issue comes to when you start doing portraits and family photos and different things like you might have like an uncle or somebody who is like a hobby photographer and they're standing right next to you with their camera and then um like you're taking say a family portrait and then half the people are looking at you and half the people are looking at them and then all of a sudden what you're de- delivering to your client isn't as good right you know so, so like that's <laughs> that's the reason why that is like a pretty common thing that's requested during the family photo sessions. Yeah. I didn't have to contend with that at all. Cause they were, they were, uh, the family sessions was like well before any, well, again, it comes back up, to but... the experience too. Cause that allows, um, like the guests and the couple to be more immersed in the day and let me worry about the photography. That's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. You worry about enjoying your day. That's why you're here. Yeah. Even the hobby photographer thing though. Like, I mean, yeah, that would, that would bother me at that point in time. But like during the ceremony, while you've got, like a bunch of people whipping out their cell phones, trying to take these crappy low res pictures of, I mean, I guess they're not low res now. Camera phones are getting pretty intense. Right. <laughs> but like the session, the people who are up there, it's like, are you really going to go back to that photo? It's like, are you, are you really going to go back to that? And it's like, like uh, come on. Like we've got professionals here. If you want these photos, if you want to save these memories, they're going to throw and them And it's like there. the same concept as, you know, like, people talking about like, don't spend your whole time at a concert on your phone. You're not experiencing oh, it the same. God, like so much you, worse. You, it's the same thing with a wedding. Like it, those, they spent money to invite you to this party, like a lot of money to have you here. And they only get to invite so many people. It's very important right. to them that you're here for, with them for this. And you're going to spend it on your phone instead of like actually being with them, you know? So it's maybe that's why an elopement sounds appealing to me. <laughs> it's like, just like, yeah, we're going to bring very few people up here and I'm going to go so far away that nobody wants to come. And you can always, it's not true. You but. can always come back and have like a cheap party, you know, too. You know, it doesn't have to be this yeah, big extravagant knows? thing. Like have a cookout with like all your friends or like whatever you want to do, you know, like it doesn't have to be pomp and circumstance. Yeah. Me and me and Cece have been together for like nine years, so we've been getting the we've been getting the talk for quite a while. And like, hey, you could do this, you know. We're like, yeah, we'll figure it out maybe. <laughs> like, we're on each other's car leases. That's about as serious as things can get at this point. <laughs> so we've done. We're on each other's paperwork. We're legally locked together to a certain degree now. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, an elopement would probably be a like if I decided to make that that change though. An elopement, like the way you describe it, just like a vacation. Yeah, like, like together and share it. That's actually when like my f- super appealing. I've told a few friends about this and they've asked me like like how does that work? I'm like basically consider it like they're going on a honey they're getting married on their honeymoon and they're there taking you go. with them. Yeah, there you go. That's that, a selling that's the, point in of itself. Yeah. <laughs> that's the way I like kind of explain it to people that are foreign to it. Are you going to get like the are you going to get the whole uh married by the boat captain? elopement or something like that like if, is it, if you found somebody anybody who's wanted to do that uh no but we'll we'll see i'm kind of it I'm sounds down so for cliche anything, man. but it sounds so cool at the same time like i know <laughs> the, <laughs> I know the one like elopement that. that i did last year um it was in colorado and you can have your dog uh sign off as your witness and they did like yep it's like i didn't see an efficient on that one so like, uh, they did at, they had a, one of their mothers do it oh, they but did. uh you okay. can self-solemnize there yeah I, I was like that's pretty cool i don't know i i had a plan uh, originally back before, back when we had like first talked about it, like three or four years ago or something like that. And I was going to get one of my like good buddies to do it. And we were just not going to take it seriously at all. And we were going to invite like the whole group of people. We we're going to throw them like a really cool party afterwards, but I was going to bring them into the wedding ceremony and just have it not be a serious thing at all. Just be like loaded with jokes, a lot of gags and a lot of crap yeah, like that. Yep. Just to, just to make everybody feel like, 
It's like it's oh, lighthearted. Man. It's not so heavy. Yeah. No, no. I was almost like as I was thinking about it, like I was starting to get spiteful. I'm like, this is this is for all the crap that you guys were giving me about doing this. I'm gonna make you feel angry that you came all the way ahead and you wasted your day to take part in this like totally not serious thing. But <laughs> if we do it, we'll take it. If we do something, we'll take it seriously. But I, uh, I don't know. The wedding industry was. Uh, I, like so I did videography for a guy years and years ago. Um and and by saying that I did videography for a guy is a very generous term cuz really what I did was I stood next to the tripod that he set up and watched the camera that he set up and then every now and then he would like like I would like I would zoom in to the speaker or something like that. Like let's see. I did a uh, I did a couple graduations and that was pretty straightforward cuz it was on a tripod. He was doing video too. Um, in the same venue, but he was like moving around doing photos and stuff too. And then, uh, I had a, uh, I had a speech at a Parkinson's, um, thing. Like it was some, like it was the most boring event in my life. It was important stuff that they were doing. Don't get me wrong. Like absolutely important to kind of like I've, talk I've about. I've done like, some strange ones there. back when I worked for a production company. Like it's way different than like doing the freelance work I do right. now. Like I filmed a the... funeral once. That was the weirdest experience. I know someone who does that. that as like a side job. Like he has like a contract with a funeral home and like it, there's a lot of money in that. I don't know what, like, I mean, I can't comment on somebody's grief stricken. I, I can't imagine why you would want to, why would you want to go back and watch that? Yeah. Like, I mean, unless you're just, really after getting some like crying porn going on or something like that. It's like, it's like, like that thing that you do to yourself. You like, you'll hop on to hop yeah, on. I'm going to play my saddest songs. I just want to, I just want to cry. So I'm going to watch all this super sad <laughs> shit or something like that. I don't know. Like that. That's strange. It was super weird. And it was open casket too. And they wanted me to set up while like everybody was like walking the line. I was like, this is fucking weird. You get into some dead. weird jobs sometimes in this industry and like meet weird people, man. Like yeah. it's, I mean, I, you never really know what's behind the next door, which like, is kind of cool sometimes. Yeah, but. No. <laughs> if I had told that version of myself, because I was like 19 at the time, this is well before I had actually started doing it recently, because I've only been in it for like four years now to date. If I had told myself then, I was like, hey, when you're this age, you're actually going to be doing video and photography stuff all the time. I'd have been like, not after this shit. No, no way. <laughs> There's no way. It was the most uncomfortable I've ever been in my life. And, uh, I can't think of anything else that would really top that <laughs> other than, uh, yeah, that'd be a strange gig. I, be, I don't think know. I'd like that. No, if it had, if it hadn't been open casket or something like that, and it was just like a reception or something like that. And I was recording speeches that they were given. I could see, like that part was yeah. less weird. Cause it was just like, it was the thing in the church where everybody's just kind of like, they got, they brought lunch in for people and people are just like telling stories about the person who'd passed away. I was like, that wasn't so bad. Like, yeah, I can, I can see somebody wanting to go back and kind of like just capture those individual stories or something like that. But the, the funeral itself, and especially the, I don't know what to call it. The receiving line for the deceased. It was just like, it was so weird to like, like there's literally a dead person in frame right now. And, and everybody's just walking by and breaking down because they're seeing this person again for the first time, probably since the last time they saw them while they were still alive. And I was like, this is a horribly raw emotional yeah, moment for I'm these a, people. I don't know if I'd want to be on camera for that. If I'm going to cover events, I'm going to stick to the happy ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Concerts, weddings, cool. Funerals. I haven't, uh, to, I haven't been asked to do another one. That's fun. I mean, but given my portfolio, like it does, like, do you feel like people stick to your portfolio for the most part with the stuff they request you to do? Not necessarily. No, I, I get okay. all sorts of things. Like there's things I don't even advertise on my website. I get contacted for. And like some of that's because of the word of mouth stuff. Um, right. 
But like I had someone reach out to me yesterday for a maternity session, you know, and I don't even have that listed on my website. I've done them before, but like usually like newborns and like things like that, that aren't like really down, like my main focus. Mm -hmm. Like I usually only do that for like return clients or like friends and things like that, you know? Um, I, cause I, you know, you want to push what you want to do and that's, you know, like I'm fine with doing it, but like, that's not like where my creative passion lies. And that's kind of when it comes down to like jobs, like you just talked about, um, like that's a paycheck. That's not like an artistic opportunity, you know? And no, I, if I was doing, if I was doing it full time, like I wouldn't be able to see a route, like, especially in the time that it was, cause it was getting closer to being cold at that point. Like, cause I remember it was free. Like when we were outside doing the barrels freezing, um, yeah, I can I can absolutely understand why uh, the guy who I was working for didn't turn that down. This is like because yeah, you have bills to pay. Like like right. some of the stuff you just can't turn. Well, down. and when you first start, like that's kind of why I became a jack of all trades. It's like yeah, I kind of need to take whatever I need, whatever comes, so that mm-hmm. I can pay my bills because I'm I'm going into this and you know it's it's rough some months. So well, um, I mean but, your portfolio is killer. I thank mean, you. I've I've been following you for a while. I can't remember when I found you or what the. Uh, what the post was um it was before you started doing video reels on your on your instagram at least because instagram is where i found you um and yeah it was a i think one of the i think one of the first photos that i really locked onto was the bouquet that you had like tied around oh yeah face. that's one of my favorite ones i've that ever was taken great. that was a great yeah, shot it's for uh, an author okay <laughs> yeah. all right cool that's a that's a great author portrait i like that yeah. most of them are like just a fucking headshot like yeah 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 no that was a good one i yeah it was like incredibly stylized i i really like the art style i really like the editing that you have because everything looks like really crisp like even like even like slightly desaturated in some areas and like saturated in others mm-hmm. and like the that that contrast is like Dude, really cool it's really me. strange because like i love like the moody feel and like you gotta like desaturate your darks and add grain to do that and like right. I, i'm trying to find like a way to mesh with what i'm doing now but make it moodier right now i think because like right. um i have a tendency to like lean towards overexposed shooting but like to do what i want to do i should be underexposing when i shoot um i went the opposite route i was underexposing for everything at first and now i'm like just barely underexposing now like i've kind of gotten there but now i'm realizing like a lot of the shoots that i'm doing i need to overexpose like like i had to overexpose this shot well the thing though is like you can bring back more black out of a photo than you can white so if whites are blown out they're gone so that's kind of the, the you have more flexibility in the editing process there. Finding the balance. Well, like like you said, it's always evolving. But yeah, I'm trying to find a way to like, I don't know, evolve to my next phase of my editing style while keeping what keeps my work me. Because like I feel like a lot of the like really crisp, like almost like surreal like. I don't know, crispness to some of my photos is like part of my style and the vibrance of the colors it's and hyper like real. Yeah, almost. like it's I feel like that's. Detail what people know me as so i want to like keep that but like i want it to be moodier it's a very modern look too i mean like the stuff like that is very prominent on uh especially like the social media photographer era that we're in right now um the like are there like i I haven't really seen you jump on really any like photography trends does stuff like that bug you especially like posting to reels and having and knowing that a lot of people are jumping onto those specifically to keep up with the algorithm and almost stay relevant like is that like, is that something that you kind of like contend with as like, 
well, it's kind of like a necessary evil, or is it something that you just try and steer away from as much as you can anyway? Yeah, I I, I try to keep up with it, um, but it's okay. it's it's a pain. It's a time suck, and it like you know at a certain point you're making all these like Instagram reels or TikTok videos, and it's like I just spent you know X amount of time doing this that could have gone into the actual business. This isn't making me money, but it comes back to like that marketing piece is important. That's the you know the first stepping stone, but like so much time these days and like social media has become so crucial especially in this field and it's just like it's almost a full-time job in itself it's like i'm wearing so many hats you got to find time to be the social media guy and then like the finance guy and then the um you know all the consultations and the booking end and like well you know you gotta find time to still be a photographer at the end of the day do you have somebody helping you out or is it just all you handling all just this? me hey just you and the dog huh yeah me and the dog she's emotional support <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i haven't involved cc in in much of it i mean she helped me out with the taxes she's an accountant so i mean that's kind of like right up her alley but i still had another accountant doing it she just kind of helped me organize everything those years i've she's, occasionally like had a friend be like you know when i was first starting music videos and i was still like trying to figure out what I was doing a little bit. And mm-hmm. I would have friends come along and be like, Hey, can you like just come with me and hold lights? So I don't have right, to like yeah, think about, you know, like things like that, but like, favors. yeah, little favors here and there when I was starting, but yeah, one man band over here. I'd, I'd love to like work with someone else because I feel like there's certain like stops you hit, whether it's like approaching a burnout or like kind of a creative block or like whatever, or a business idea, like, where it's like seems overwhelming, but like if you have two people to split that up or bounce ideas off of each other, like I feel like, well, almost... I send you enough shit, you can start sending stuff my way. Like... <laughs> I feel like I could do like so much more if I had like a partner in the business. You know what I mean? But like again, it's giving up part of what I'm doing, which is a very yeah, difficult yeah. thing as an artist. I went down that road once, and uh, uh, yeah, I won't do that again without some like significant contingencies in place because um, it ended up biting me in the ass pretty hard. Um, and that's that's as much as I'll say about it, but yeah, the, that was, that was around the LLC that I had, that I had gotten going. It's, it's tough because like, especially in the artist world, because there's already a, like a serious amount of, uh, um, like there's already a serious amount of distrust that you have around the industry that you're working in because there's so much, like, again, I mean, just on like the, the model or musician side of things, like everybody's flaky in the art world. So yeah. it's already tough to rely on like the job actually going on. Yeah. And then having to try and trust another person to help you maintain all of that was like mm-hmm. a ne- was another step harder. So yeah, gotta, I, I gotta get have, your apprehension. Got to have those contracts, man. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was uh, I. I had to learn that one the hard way. Yeah, like I had to learn. We had a contract in place, but it wasn't. I. Uh, I think the problem might be uh, twofold. Because yes, you have to have those contracts, but also if somebody's like. Like you, it can't be like a personal thing. So if you have a contract with somebody, especially if they were a friend beforehand and then they renege on a factor of that contract, you also have to have like the balls to be like, all right, I have to enforce this contract now. Right. And it was like, yeah, our friendship might suffer a little bit, but like I'm going to suffer if we don't like push us on there. And that was the mistake that I made. It's like, I didn't want to, like I wanted to push a little bit, but at the same time, I also didn't want to like burn a bridge or be like I mean, super that's, contentious. That's why most bands break up. It's like you got to have. I mean, I'm going to use the band example, but it's kind of the same thing. And a it band, really is. you're it really finding is. five people 
on average four or five people. Right. Um, and you have to all have similar interest in music, similar goals, similar levels of motivation, um, personality wise, be able to get along. Like I've always said, like being in a band is like running a business and dating five people, like at the <laughs> really, same time, really like is. you're, it's you're like in a relationship and running a business with these people. So like, there's all these things that have to like mesh. And like, I almost feel like the level of seriousness behind or like importance of those things aligning and like bringing someone into a business that's just you is so much more important. Cause like, that's my full livelihood, you know, mm-hmm. like if something were to happen or go the wrong way, like, um, you know, like I, I question myself sometimes I'm like, am I doing, making the right moves? Am I, you know, whatever. And like putting that much trust in someone else that's like my baby. And like I've built from the ground up is, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if, if or when that's possible. Like part of me would love it. And part of me would be very, very difficult, but well, you can certainly bounce ideas off of me if you need that. Like, like I, I've sent, I've sent you. Like, you've gotten like the early previews for a lot of the stuff yeah, before I even yeah. release it. Like, I, I like having somebody to bounce that off to. I Dude, think, it's, I think important. it's important. Yeah, and really I is. and I did learn it the hard way. Like, that well, was, it's it's like um, you get so deep into something when you're editing. At a certain point, you almost can't tell if it's good or not anymore because exactly. you're so exactly. zeroed in. You aren't looking at the big picture anymore. You're like, oh, this. You know, in a video, like I've been editing this like five second clip. I wanted to look a certain way for like an mm-hmm. hour now. And then you're like, I th- I'm just making it worse at this point. And you come back the next day and you're like, oh, this is actually perfect. Like, I don't need to do anything to that, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Or sometimes you'll like send it off to people and you can't like it, it's sometimes it's tough to trust their judgment or to trust that they're actually being honest with you it's about ha- it. Like, it's hard to speak up when people send you stuff and give them critique because like it feels like you're like. Unless they're offering for it, offering judgment for me, it. it's like even hard to like do it when someone's asking for it. Like I'm trying to, I like appreciate like people respect me that way, but I don't. I see my own weaknesses and stuff. I'm like, am I really like a credible enough source to be giving you this advice? You yeah. know. <laughs> you also think about it as like if I like you don't. I I mean I've I've talked about this before. <clears throat> like you don't want to be the person to like hurt that person's determination to, or to like crush their their creative spirit. Like I get that, but. I would also argue that if like a, a little, if a, a bit of constructive criticism, I'm not saying that you need to go in there and tell them they're being, yeah, fucking, you're not trying to ream them horrible or something like that, but like a little bit of constructive criticism, if that's going to be the, the camel that breaks the, if that's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back, then I would argue like, like that you, you probably weren't in it quite. You yeah. probably weren't as determined than as you might've thought that you were, they were. <clears throat> yeah. You should, um, almost be seeking that stuff out as an artist like yes and it's like in business it's like the same kind of mindset with like failure like a lot of the reason people don't do things is like you know like for example making that jump to full-time we were talking about like that's a really hard thing to do but like Mm -hmm. um you just have to like do it you know like there's uh I kind of lost where I was going again. <laughs> I mean, I, no, um, I get, I get where you're, you're coming from. It was like, you, you do have to, you do have to just kind of go for it sometimes, but you also have to be willing to understand that you, you're not going to know everything jumping off, jumping right off the bat and having people there who are going to kind of ground you a little bit, kind of bring you yeah, back to yeah. earth, I think is wildly important. And, and someone then, who understands the field you're in. Cause like yeah. I, I've, you know, sent a lot of my demos and my projects to like roommates and friends. And it's like, they'll be like, give me critiques. And every once in a while they give me like a good critique, but most of the time they're just like, Oh yeah, that looks really cool, man. Cause like they don't know what they're supposed to be looking for. You know, sure. like there's subconscious things with like the way you take a photo, um, that like 
people might like it, but they don't understand like composition wise why they like it. That there's actually a science to why that photo works. You do need a bit of both. Like, yeah. I feel like you need like the general audience opinion, like if you can get it, like almost like focus grouping it, I guess, uh, just to kind of get like a sample of what like the uninitiated person in that particular field is going to react to it with. Yeah. And then, yeah. Because that's say, mostly who's viewing your content. Oh, too, 100%. You know? That's the wide majority of people that are actually going to see it. But you do want people who could actually do that exact thing, maybe even better. If yep. not, if they could do it better, their opinions well, probably. If you want to grow, you point. know, it's like um, I, I like the saying: like if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to find a different room. You know, right. like yeah. you need to surround yourself with people that are better than you, and it'll make you better. And I, I really like strive to do that when I can. You know, it's it's kind of hard being in the Midwest in a creative field because right. like there's. I feel like there's less people in general kind of taking that path, but like even like within that, there's even less people taking it super serious and dedicating their life to it. How do you feel about the phrase done is better than perfect? Uh, perfect doesn't exist. And, okay. but I'm still a perfectionist. All right. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, I saw there was a YouTuber who said that I can't remember. I can't remember who it was, but like when I was early on, like watching tutorial videos and stuff like that. Done is better than perfect was one of their was I mean, one of their sayings and it It depends on the situation. Like mm-hmm. I, I do think it's situational, but I think you should always strive to do your absolute best. Like never you know, like give ninety percent and you know, like what you reap is what you sow. I'm kinda mm-hmm. like just circling back this whole conversation. It's like, oh that thing we said twenty minutes ago uh, that's still you know, true. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're 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 sticking pretty tight as far as the genre of podcasts that we're doing today. So, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. going to circle back a little bit. Well, I I I don't think I'm like re- I mean, I'm repeating in a way, but it's like here's just another tangent example of why what we spoke about is we're getting relevant. into the nuance of that same yeah, root exactly thing that we're jumping yep. into. I uh, I I personally don't like it very much. Um, it's like because I, I I would rather put out something that I did like bleed to get out there rather than throwing up something that uh, was just like well it's finished i guess i can just hope for an attaboy you, you on know one, i but. don't i don't necessarily like it either but i do like um the, the concept of like do your best today and like your best today might be 40 percent of your actual best but if you did 40 percent today that's that's your best today you know um, if it's 90% tomorrow and you do 90%, but if you have a day that's 90% and you do 40%, then you're not doing your job. Right. If that makes sense. That's, that's, that's a good way to look at it too. It's like your best isn't going to be like the same level every single time that you're jumping into a project. Cause I, I mean, again, cause again, we're talking about a field that's got a wide array of things that you need to know in order how to do it. And that's like, like the biggest thing that I think people don't see from the outside is they're like, Oh yeah. Like I know how to take a picture on like a, you know, like in one of those old, like little cameras, you just press the button or like your phone or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And it's like, my camera has 28 pages of settings in it. And then there's right. lighting, there's posing, there's like the business end, there's the client experience. There's, there's just so many things like, and that's why like, wedding we'll go back to weddings like weddings are so intimidating because like you're keeping them on schedule you're like kind of running the show you are worrying about like photography you're worrying about timeline you're worrying about posing like remembering names um your all your settings um what's next um in 10 minutes we have to be here i need to go like make sure the other group's ready for that and like that's why you get into like needing a second shooter because it's just like i'm i'm juggling 
you know, while I'm working almost, you know, <laughs> I, yeah, I would, I think if I was going to get back into like really making a push for wedding stuff or, or just into like the professional areas of photography rather than like the more artistic conceptual stuff, I would probably be looking for second shooter spots. And I guess, I mean, again, the hardest thing for me to let go of to be like, Hey, those shots aren't going to be mine to edit when I'm done. Right. Um, but I mean, I mean, if it was somebody I mean, like you, I mean, I'd feel okay. The way, I, the way that works usually in every, every contract is different, but the way that works usually is you give the files to the main photographer and it's theirs to give to the client. But like, you usually have the option to keep them and edit them and use them for your portfolio. Yeah. You just yeah, can't contact that client or like whatever. And like advertise, you know, poach the client is like mm-hmm. the main thing, but I'd almost be like, that would almost be like the ideal situation for me. It's just like, <laughs> I get to deal with all the benefits without it. Yeah. I just kind of, it is like, it's kind of <laughs> nice. I, I like but. dove into like being the first shooter on my first wedding. I've only second shot a handful of weddings, yeah. but it's like, it's really nice. Cause you just kind of like show up and do the fun part and go home and you don't have the responsibility. You're just kind of like, cool. I get to like, you get a little more flexibility to be creative as the second shooter too, I think, mm-hmm. because like the main photographer is going to get the really important things. Like you find yeah, a way yeah, to like, yeah. You make, get the like the B sides. Yeah, it's like <laughs> find a way to make this same thing like look different from your own angle. Like, well, I can play with whatever you know, like different type of lens or like different position or like prisms or like whatever it might be. You can just like have more flexibility to throw that in depending on how it's structured. My cardio is shit. I don't have the energy to be the first shooter. <laughs> You're bouncing all over the damn place. That's the other but, thing. It's like it's physically demanding. It's Dude, just how heavy the cameras are, man. Yeah. Like just like, carrying around all that weight for 12 hours, probably 12 hours minimum throughout that day is just... Yeah, I've like, got, like, I've got like a dual harness like, strap with like yeah, a, yeah, a, too. two bodies with like a 70 to 200 on one side. And then I got like a pouch on the back with another lens in it and like my batteries and like a, like all these like tools and stuff like yep. strapped in my belt. And like it's... Yeah, you're and you're running around like crazy, like nonstop. Like it gets to the point where you sit down to eat and like your one break for the day and like you're so wired and then like i sit down take just the first bite and i'm just off. like whoa i could fall asleep on this table that's kind of <laughs> like the, that's the tough part for me is like when i get going on a on a work grind like that i can't stop it's an adrenaline I, stop, I don't want to get back up like, yeah, it does it takes that adrenaline like away completely that would be uh yeah, and I, I don't have my conditioning in place again to do that because, like, most of my photo stuff has been very small sessions. Well, and those like, artistic sessions are much more controlled. It's a lot less of... Oh, I have control of everything. It's a lot less of these variables and, like, a lot of these difficulties we're talking about get get removed because, mm-hmm. like... The, the only thing that they don't control... There. like like Like, I don't make contact with the models, like, physical contact. Sure. And, uh, and I don't do makeup. And so it is kind of like a toss up about what their makeup's going to look like when they get there or what their makeup and hair is going to look like, I guess. But you can, most of, you can style that stuff too, though, yeah. like to a degree. Like we can, again, communication. If you go in ahead of time, be like, this is what I'm visualizing. Um, like you can go as far if you wanted to to hire a hair and makeup artist for a concept, you know, like if you really I'm, wanted to. Well, I'm super selective with who I work with too. And like you kind of look at the effort that they make on their other, on like all their other work beforehand and kind of like get an idea of. Yep. what their what level of you want to make what sure are, it aligns. what they bring into the table first before i before i dive into something like that because it's in the situations that i'm in it's just as much their piece of art as it is mine in right my, in my eyes so 
like you want to have somebody who's going to be taking it super serious, but yeah, on the wedding side, that all gets taken away from you. Like you've got to, you've very much got to meld to whatever they're trying to put together for you. Yeah. You, you want it to be what they want it to be. You have all those different lighting situations, like, and it's fast paced mm -hmm. when you're doing an artistic shoot where it's not for hire artistic shoot. Like it's literally just a passion project. Like you could take two hours to get one photo if you really wanted to in the in the models okay with it you know what i mean right. what like i mean they're bored out of their mind but they yeah <laughs> yeah the product i don't recommend that you. but no, uh no. like hypothetically you could <laughs> have you had a wedding event where pretty much just everything or wedding or other sh otherwise shoot that where everything went just completely wrong uh, like you really had to scramble to get it all put together is there a story that sticks out i can't think of a specific story i there's there's always things go wrong though like it is you can mitigate as much as possible, but like, I can't say that it always goes wrong because like, there's always variables, you know what I mean? And like, it might not necessarily go wrong, but like, I think it's important to like set like an expectation for this is what I want it to be, but then be flexible with the variables. Cause like a client comes to me with an idea, I listen to them and then I get a visual in my head. And then like we talk more, it kind of like becomes this mutual thing. We probably are still in our head seeing different things, mm -hmm. but then we show up to location and there's like all these variables that we weren't entirely sure how they were going to play into it when you show up. And then it becomes this whole like other thing. That's neither one of the initial two things, but it's like a combination plus other variables and then you edit it and it becomes a whole nother thing again i guess it's so, trying to like eke out like one of your like nightmare sessions uh, it's like something that you have it's like i don't want you to be like talking shit about anybody yeah. but like it more more so like the things on your side went wrong or it was like the gear failure day or something like that you know i haven't had any major gear failures i've left a lot of gear places and like oh, yeah. lost some money um done oh, some shit. things like that i'm i'm scatterbrained so i'll do that sometimes i'm too focused on making the art um i left a full-on strobe a weighted bag and a stand out in the middle of the downtown after oh. a shoot one day i got i got all the way home it was actually with lyric uh she was one of the she was like the first video podcast that i did for this channel um like went out with her downtown we're out in like an industrial area there's some construction going on in that region took some really cool shots um and i had the strobe with me had it all set up uh we had walked like a block away from the vehicle uh went all the way back drove all the way home so i'm literally from one side of omaha to the complete opposite end to where we're at sitting at right now popped my trunk started offloading everything and i'm like fuck like right that right then as soon yeah. as i noticed it, it was like it's all gone it's all missing and i can't like i can't remember what it was but there was like something else that i was supposed to be doing that at that point in the day and uh i was gonna hit her up and i was gonna be like hey can you like i know you said you were only like five minutes away can you run over here and just kind of like grab Please it Please still be there just grab it hold <laughs> on to it but i drove all the way back out there it was pitch black at that point in time nobody had been there and sure enough it was just sitting right there it was nice. still on. That's awesome. I was so happy, but man, dude, I've never felt like more of an idiot than when what, I leave gear behind. What I find a lot is like I'll get done with a session occasionally and just feel like everything went like not the way I planned it. And I will like be like, oh, man, I butchered that. Like this was not a good one. Like and I, I'll, that always kills me. Like I'll like kill like nine shoots in a row. And then at the 10th one, the one that isn't what I wanted like visualized right. i just like beat myself up for which um that's a whole nother topic but um but then i get home and like or i edit them or whatever and i get to the end of the project i'm like oh that really wasn't that bad it just wasn't quite what i 
wanted like expected initially you know like i get that a lot um i mean uh, as in terms of the way things can go that's actually not bad yeah no <laughs> i'm, I'm that's sure the way i would prefer it to go each time i'm sure i've had like s- some issues i've <laughs> okay um it ended up working out but kind of a crazy story i went to when i was first starting out i went to atlanta with these rappers i was shooting a music video for their cousin just got signed to like a a big record label it was like little baby's record label and they wanted to go basically like work with him and put him in their visit video for like some notoriety, some clout. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I went to Atlanta with them and like the day we got there, like riots started for black lives matter and like the, the studio shut down and like downtown was just like filled with mobs of people. And like, it wasn't like it was up here. It was like a whole different experience in Atlanta. Oh God, I can only Um, imagine. Like we, we drove by downtown and I watched people break windows out of the Jaguar store with a hammer and run out with the keys. Like, I'm like this, I thought shit like this only happens in movies. Like this is, this is wild, it's but, wild. um, that was around the George Floyd. Yeah. Protest that went on. Yeah. Okay. And that was like probably the biggest, like surprise I've ever had during like a session. Like we kind of like replanned it and like went back to like this distant relative's house and they had like a family reunion and we shot a video there. Um, and it worked out for all intensive purposes, but like, that was probably like the biggest, like, okay, last minute, we need to figure out what we're doing to shift this. We can't really replan this again. We're already here, mm-hmm. you know? And you know, worst things could have happened. They didn't really like prevent us from doing our job, but like, that was a big surprise. Um, I don't, last, last few years have been pretty crazy. It was like pretty wild in, in regard for all of that stuff. Um, another, this is, this is like a whole different aspect but i had a wedding last year in minnesota and there was a, a child that was probably like 10 years old and uh he was like almost nonverbal autistic and during the speeches he disappeared and we're out on a farm in the middle of nowhere in minnesota and we like stopped the wedding in the middle of speeches and like 200 people like start looking for this kid and basically like the parents had told us like if you call his name he's less likely to come he's gonna hide more um so like we have like 200 people searching this farm for like an hour and I was associate shooter for as associate shooting video for the photographer that was there and the two of us were sitting there after a while we're like I don't know what to do like should we sit here with our gear and wait should we help them look like we're supposed to be done in x amount of time like is the wedding over with do we leave like and it was like such a tough spot to know what to do and like I don't, they were getting ready to call like the police it was it was a, it was a serious deal and but it ended up happening um you go like down to the corner on the gravel and then you go a mile to the highway and there was someone sitting out in a lawn chair out there directing traffic. That person came back with the kid after like an hour of everyone looking oh, and it was, you know, luckily everything turned out fine. Um, what not pretty like, far for a 10 year old kid too. That man. was a, I was worried he ran into the field, you know, adults get lost in cornfields. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Probably just, and when you have like a mental, like a mental capacity issue, like autism, like I can only imagine what would be going on inside your head, like being like knowing that you're lost, right? you're lost in an area and what feels like an endless, right. An endless well, sea of, I don't know if it was like a lost thing. Scenery, I think but... it was like, didn't like that. I don't think he liked the environment with that many people and like went to go hide from it. It was oh, more no, so the situation. No, I can't imagine at all. But like, yeah, that was probably one of the more difficult situations I've been in. Like not necessarily 
just like knowing what the right thing to do is like, I'm like, I want to go help, but I also have like $10,000 of equipment sitting right here that I don't know if I should leave sit and we're supposed to be done in an hour, but it seems like this is over with like, like that's an anxiety that I, to this day cannot get around is the, the thought of somebody taking a guess at like the value that I'm carrying on my back whenever I'm walking around with my pack on. It's like, it was like the wrong person decides that they want to, that they want to gut check me. I'm just like, it's like, fuck man, they're going to walk away with quite a bit of cash mm-hmm. or like that. That's, and the that's hard part, part of it. The, the scary part, like having it be your full time career is like, and traveling a lot. Yeah, I travel a lot for your work. Entire unforeseen I'm like, amount I of might, time is gone. I might not have enough money to replace it. And then I can't work. Like that's a fear I have. And like, realistically I should probably have enough money set to the side for if that hat, happen but like i'm at a stage right now where i'm like still reinvesting almost everything i make straight back into the business is there a gear insurance option that you've like jumped into because i haven't like i've seen it advertised to me quite a bit but i never know if it's worth pulling the trigger on any of it It just depends on what you're doing um with what you're doing i I think you're probably fine well for what i'm doing sure but like are are you like do you have some sort of gear insurance to kind of cover your ass yeah i think it's i think it's smart too but like there's so many loopholes in them like i hate insurance it just feels like a scam it really does but like it really it it is until you need it though you know too so it's like that's how they get you right there it's like yeah it seems like a scam until you're bag's been jacked and you don't have any of your stuff and yeah, now i can't this work company that yeah. exists that could have but there's like a lot there. of loopholes with a lot of policies like we only cover these areas or these sort of situations and like sure they're, they're yeah. not always transparent with all of that when you're getting into it it's like insurance is something i've like struggled with like i don't know, accepting and figuring out right. in this process <laughs> i uh, i i don't know there there's so many more aspects than than people realize when it comes to freelancing full-time completely on your own uh, on your own or not really i mean it's it's right dealing with the then you're just dealing with the variables on a bigger scale if you got more people with you i think it's worth it though at least for me um oh yeah the type of person i am like yeah i i think i work more than most of my friends most people i know honestly but question i have no doubt in my mind you work harder than most people on my own terms you know what i mean if i wake up and i'm like not feeling good my stomach's upset or i'm having like you know, like, uh, feeling down, whatever, like I can be like, I'm going to take my time this morning and like, you know, like take a long shower, eat a good breakfast, like take my dog on a walk, whatever it might be. Or like, if I really need to, I can just like not work today. If I really want to, as long as I don't have like a client booked, if it's Mm -hmm. like editing day or whatever, you know, then the drawback is I have twice as much work the next day to do. But Again, there's you knew what you're getting. You knew yeah. you were getting yourself. Into I can that I can make that I can decision. Weigh all those decisions. I'm I'm going on vacation next week, um, like an international vacation, and, um, you know, I'm going with a buddy, and we we're only able to go for a certain number of days because he had to ask permission to go. Like basically, all I had to do is like make sure I had enough money saved up and block my schedule. I don't need permission anymore, you know. And like yeah, that sweet. freedom is like what makes the hustle, you know, the grind worth it. Right. I mean, it's the part that that is the part that everybody thinks is like the main portion of it. I was like, without the grind behind it. And uh, yeah, I mean, is there a uh, is there an aspect of it that you uh, that you were anticipating was going to be a lot harder that once you got into it, that you kind of like you melded into it quite well? As far um, as going, as far as going full time, I found like pretty much every step of like starting photography, videography, running the business. Like every time you approach something new, it seems like a mountain, and like once you're on top of that mountain, 
and like looking out to the next one, it like shrinks in half. Hmm. Like I, I feel like almost any time you dive into something that's foreign or like it's, it's intimidating for me at least when I first started. But like once I'm like halfway through it, like I'm like, this wasn't so bad. Like, you know, it's like that thing where like you got to do the dishes and you've been putting it off for like four days and it's like you go do them and like, oh, that took me 15 minutes. Like, you know, it's like that same sort of feeling almost like, oh, I have so much to to do to like accomplish like this whatever goal I have. And then like once you start making progress towards it, it, like that that difficulty seems to shrink like you're like learning throughout the process, hopefully, you know, and like it, it just kind of like dissolves and becomes not so bad after a while. I uh, heard this guy say a while back and it almost sounds like an asshole thing, but he's like, I had a buddy every time someone complained, he just turned to them and say, that's it. Ooh. And like that <laughs> kind of sounds like a dick move, but he's like, you know what? I hated it at first, but like it grew on me and it makes you think about it. It like, made me like is. be like, how big a deal is this going to be? a year from now this one thing that i'm stressed about right now i'm gonna look back and be like that's it like that's what i was worried about and i've yeah. like kind of like started doing that with myself a little bit like when i'm like intimidated about a project i have i'm like you know a year from now i'm just gonna look back at this and be like that's what you were stressed about like it's, you're making it out to be more than it is i was looking at a similar is like a similar mindset but it was a like and a part of his podcast uh jocko willink he's an ex ex Navy SEAL. He's like this total badass. He's he's a business owner. He's like, he's one of the, like every like part of what you assume, every stereotype of a Navy SEAL that you can think of, he pretty much fits right into it. Um, but he had a, he had a thing where he had, he said a friend of his was like going through some stuff and Jocko was asking, I was like, well, I don't want to talk to you about it. And Jocko was like, I was like, why not? I was like, cause I know what you're going to say. He's like, good. Like, so whenever, like that was like how he was reacting to certain things. It was like, okay, so you're, you're th- this thing happened that's causing you a bunch of strife like good you learned it was, like, it was always it was like a, yeah. a very aggressive way of yep. trying to find like the positive and whatever it happened yeah it's like the whole like failure is a stepping stone to success yeah. the reason most people like don't take leaps is because they're scared of failing but like anyone who like excels in like an entrepreneurial type position should like almost embrace failure because it's a quicker path to learn and it's a quicker path to yeah, success. Absolutely. Like it's, it's not like a detour. It, it's the shortcut. Yeah. If you're not having to struggle at all, like things are, things probably are probably not too learning. Well. Things are going too well. Like you're not going to be prepared at all for when things start going really bad. Yeah. Like, cause you're not going to know what those contingencies are that you need to have in place in order to teach you ready for that. Teaches you where, where your weaknesses are, teaches you what you yeah. need to do make to make your next move. Um, just kind of got to stay on your toes, you know, which I think is also why you need somebody there to like criticize you because like, cause you need to be prepared for like the internet. <laughs> like, which on a small scale that, that I'm sitting on right now, like I don't have a lot, I'm not exposed to the public on a lot of the work that I put out there. So I don't have people who are like just being intentionally trolling or anything like that, but I'm very much prepared for that in my mindset. And, uh, I know that there's people out there who don't think that, they need to worry about something like that. It was like, you know, photography is a photography doesn't get quite the attention on social media that it used to get, but um, you still need to be prepared for that one random comment that's going to come through and it's going to like ruin your entire day about the the day that you decided to post a shot or something like that, or that bit of critiquing that rings true in your brain. See, but, but the, like, like the, the critiquing is good. And most time, if it's not a critique, it's like, honestly someone going out of their way to insult like 
I think it's useful to remember. Got to prepare for that. Though. It's useful that's to remember that that's less about you and more about them. Like it's usually like yeah, yeah like yeah. a personal issue or jealousy or like a conflict with your beliefs, and they're trying to get back at you for it or like you know whatever. Like Could, like might if, not even be that you're, complex. If you're like getting haters online you're probably doing something right you've like reached a platform level where you're not just exposed to your media circle mm-hmm. you know as long not as everyone's gonna the, love what you do yeah as long as you're not the person who starts posting out stuff about how holier than thou you are because you're your haters are all not. like there's yeah, so many absolutely people, not <laughs> there's so many people that do that now and it's just like like i'll see them on social media posting about how it's like oh I, I, i'll take all the hate that i can get because uh, yeah, you're just I'm showing not, off how jealous you are. I was like, you're not getting hate. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, I'm not not encouraging like, it by any means, but if it comes, like, whatever. They're on their own journey. It's not my business. Yeah, no, I'll <laughs> let them go for it. Um, I don't know how much time you have today. I don't want to hold you. I know you got some events that you got to jump into. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going and I'm shooting nothing more at the Admiral tonight. Okay. So I was like, we just hit the hour and a half mark, which is a oh, nice wow. sweet spot. So yeah, cool. The time flew by kind of quick. Yeah, yeah, it was a good conversation. Um, well, I, I appreciate you coming out. Like the, the business side of it, of, of photography is still appealing to me. I'm not entirely sure that I'm ready. Like, well, I know I'm not ready to take that plunge, uh, at the moment. There's still a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on this year that is kind of taking that choice away from me. Like I don't have the, like financially, I don't have the, the base to be sure. like, okay, here, I'm going to open up these floodgates to a bunch of paid work. And then it's just all, all going to start unless something changes completely. Like, unless I hit some sort of lucky strike and I wasn't yeah. really prepared for it, but like the business know. aspect of it is always super interesting to me. The, the episode before this was, was all talking about music business and that was a big one. So I hope you get a chance to listen to that. Cool, Maybe cool. that one will resonate with you. We didn't talk quite as much about music as I thought we were going to, but yeah, I, I think we're both, I think we're I didn't really know where this was going to go. I, d- I didn't prepare for this at all. I just kind of came in. Neither and, did I. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I knew I was going to bring you in here and talk shop. I think uh, well, music for me, I'm kind of over the, I'm kind of over the hump on that one. Like the possibility of like the music business, and the photography business, both being as intensive as they are, both being artistic at their base, are still wildly different industries to me as far as oh, how to like yeah. get out there. Because, I mean, it, it, as far as music, you're not offering like a straight-up service to somebody that they're going to pay for. You're trying to yeah. bring them in specifically for an experience. And so um, the amount of grinding that you have to do specifically around that and then basically expecting no profit to come from it is yeah wildly different compared to the to the photo world but a lot of the same lessons are going to end up being learned but um, i think a lot of the lessons i learned in the music industry like prepared me for this like mm -hmm. i've had this weird path through life where i never exactly went where i planned but like i like just kind of followed a feeling or like wanting to like the thing that felt like it was going to align closest to where I wanted to go. And like each thing I've done, even the things like that seemed like they weren't relevant to what I wanted to do, like served a purpose along the way and has brought me to where I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that's the, that's kind of like the whole point of, uh, of bringing in this podcast is that I want to bring artists who I find, who I admire and, and kind of like talk out those processes, talk out kind of like where they, where they got to them or just shoot the shit and yeah. see, what, see what ends up happening. So I'm really glad you're able to make it out here. Yeah. Thank you so um, much. Where can people find you? Where can, where can people find your material? Where um, can they look at what you do? 
pretty much everywhere. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. My website's KesselCreationsMedia.com. Creations is spelled with a K, much like my name. So And I'll have that linked for everybody. So cool. Um, but yeah, otherwise, um, I guess if you follow those pages, you should see at the end of the year the announcement for this other business that I don't have a name for yet. And but yeah, I'm gonna keep doing Kessel Creations, so keep it on that. It's gonna be where where my art my more artistic like Absolutely. alternative stuff is i'm glad so. you're not stopping because i really dig that stuff so. gotta have the variety man spice gotta of life variety. i love the weird and, and you go oh, yeah. weird on a, you oh, go yeah. weird on a lot of your stuff and i really like that shit so i'm weird you know <laughs> it wouldn't be true to me if i didn't do a little bit of it <laughs> that's the uh, the weirdos create the weird and i love it <laughs> all right man well uh thanks a lot yeah thank Appreciate you time thanks for watching everybody i'm out thanks for catching this episode of the jones on the lens podcast i appreciate you being here and I hope I see you for the next one. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, or do whatever you can to hit a like button, subscribe button, give me a rating, save it to your Spotify playlist or wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, have a good day.